You know I was about to start this by saying that I'm so, so sorry for the three-week hiatus. But nobody said anything while I was away, which um, probably caused a better man to think on a few things, but not this fella. No way. It's rough Sundays. I'm Eric Queen. And let's get some gospel to start you out, delivered in the form of some down, dirty, not dirty, I should say, down and um, pretty raw. Raw is a better word. Some raw Delta blues, minus the blues, courtesy of Sunhouse. Tell me who's that riding, John the Revelator. Tell me who's that riding, John the Revelator. Tell me who's that riding, John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seals. Who's that riding? John the Revelator. Tell me who's that riding? John the Revelator. Well, who's that riding? John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seals. You know, God walked down in the cool of the day, called Adam by his name, and he refused to answer because he's naked and ashamed. Who's that riding? John the Revelator. Who's that riding? John the Revelator. Who's that riding? John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seas. You know Christ had twelve apostles and three he led away. Say, watch with me one hour till I go yon and pray. Tell me who's that riding, John the Revelator. Tell me who's that riding, John the Revelator. Who's that riding, John the Revelator. Wrote the book of the seven seas. Who's that riding, John the Revelator. Tell me who's that riding, John the Revelator. Who's that riding? John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seas. Christ came on the Easter morning. Mary and Martha was there to see. Go tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. Tell me who's riding, John the Revelator. Tell me who's that riding. John the Revelator, tell me who's that writing? John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seals. Who's that writing? John the Revelator, who's that writing? John the Revelator, tell me who's that writing? John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seals. Sunhouse, John the Revelator, rough Sundays. Sunhouse, kind of one of those one of the few voices that sound, it kind of sounds fragile, but it's actually quite powerful, if that makes sense. Sunhouse, great artist. Born nearly in the 1800s, I think he was 1901 or 1902. I think I read. Pretty cool. He's since passed, but... Anyway, back in Istanbul, we are after a whirlwind for lack of a better word, a few weeks in Greece with a a friend of mine. It's always great to be back in Istanbul. Um, 
walked into this apartment here, not too far away from Taksim Square, not touristy, but close enough to Taksim Square to be dangerously touristy. But I walked into this little apartment. I knew where everything was. My phone and computer recognized the Wi-Fi. My laundry lady recognized. It was quite nice, you know. Nice to show up in a place like Istanbul, especially when you raise poor in Oklahoma, you know. Somebody says to you someday, you know, there will be a time in your life where Istanbul feels like home. That's, that's effing wild. But it's the truth. Um, so yeah, South Africa to Greece, back to Istanbul. But I would be lying if I said that uh, I wasn't already slightly nostalgic for our, our time in South Africa. You know, I think, I think I mentioned before how, how under my skin that country got and and just how I don't know it's it, immovable and shakable that experience was I don't know if those are the correct adjectives but just yeah I guess I could say unmovable or unshakable because that experience just that, that that'll be with me and it, it got to me you know um we'll talk more about that someday but it's insane it's insane to say, oh, I was just down in South Africa for three months, then I went to Greece, and now I'm back in Istanbul. Like, I, I, I mentioned this numerous times on the show, or maybe on the Instagram stories, but the reason that I like doing this stuff, obviously, it's not for the accolades, or the financial benefit, or the audience growing week after week. You know, I really love it, because in, in writing it, and then thinking about it, and then saying it, and then recording it, and then producing it, you know, I, I remind myself of, of how ridiculous of an existence that I have. And that's really cool because you do get caught up in, you know, this stuff. And I'm sure something will happen today that will make me temporarily forget that I'm walking around one of the world's most important cities. That feels like home to a poor kid from Oklahoma. You know what I mean? So writing it down and saying it and all that stuff, it, it, it's good for me. I really like it. But you're here to wake up slowly. Sorry. Turkish coffee. I had forgotten how powerful it is. It makes me chatty, but um, you're not here for me to be chatty. You're here to wake up slowly and nicely and to get a bit of gospel up in your house. So let's do that. And let's do that with none other than the queen. It's Mahalia Jackson. We are. 
Sam Cooke, Solsters, Just Another Day, Just Another Rough Sundays. America's Queen. I, uh, I, I don't know where this finds you, you know? Fortunate enough to, to, to have friends, dear friends around the world who listen. I mean, I, I, seven friends listen and five of them, you know, are outside of the United States. So I guess this is an international show, but um, I don't know what the weather looks like there for you. Middle of October, maybe it's getting cool. It's a, it's a gorgeous, sunny, blue sky day here in Istanbul, which is nice because when I landed, it was gray, which was also nice. The first two days of nothing but rain, I got to sleep in. But um, it's beautiful here today and I plan on going to my favorite cafe. As soon as I'm done talking to you, I'm gonna go to my favorite cafe and I'm gonna do nothing except drink chai, probably pretend like I'm reading and that's pretty much it. But this, uh, I was going somewhere with this. The weather, this, this cafe weather puts me in a, in a Cuban mood. Mood? Cube, Cuban mood? There we go. A Cuban mood. You know, a lazy Sunday, nothing to do, hang out at the cafe, watch people walk by, pretend like you're reading, maybe smoke a cigar. Um, and maybe we've talked about this. The great thing about... Uh, you know, 20 years of drinking and other things is that I have no memory. So I could have said this last week or I could have never said it. What's important to me is that I don't remember saying it. So I'm going to say it again. Maybe I mentioned that uh, a long time ago, back when we weren't supposed to, I may or may not have been for two weeks in Havana, Cuba. And uh, much of the reason that I did or did not go was uh, in part to the music. And it's music that I did. I discovered music differently. You know, I, I was a pastor's kid, so I wasn't allowed secular music growing up. Of course, at 17, I became a radio DJ. So all I listened to was uh, at the term, at the time it was alternative music. You know, this is the mid nineties. And then uh, I realized there was more money to be made in, in pop music, advertisers, much more money in pop music. Probably comes as no surprise. So I did that, then I started traveling. So I never had the, the time period where Buena Vista Social Club entered my stratosphere. And I think it happened, I don't even know when it happened, early 2000s, when Ry Cooter and his son went down and they did all that stuff. Uh, I never had that because I was elsewhere. So I came into this whole Cuban jazz movement much later. Uh, it would have been 2005, I was living in China. I was on holiday down in Guilin, beautiful. And uh, I, I saw this CD, this back in the day with CDs. And uh, just the, the, the woman's face, the name told me that it, it, was, it was Latin. Uh, her face told me that it was going to be something good, so I picked it up. And it was a lady called Omara Portuando. And that set me on this, this journey of uh, finding out about Cuban jazz, falling in love with Cuban jazz much more beyond the Buena Vista Social Club and a lot of those members. So like Combay Segundo really got into him. My favorite being Ibrahim uh, Ferrier, who was like kind of the Cuban Louis Armstrong. And I actually may or may not have walked and found his little shack of a house in Havana. Maybe I did that, maybe I didn't. But uh, it became an obsession and it became one of the biggest reasons, like I said, why I went there. Um, it wasn't Hemingway, believe it or not. It helped, but it was the music. And... Um, 
I actually do have time. Do you have time for a quick story? I'll tell you. When I was or was not there many, many years ago, um, you know, you couldn't book anything online. Uh, you just had to do it once you landed at the airport. So at the airport, there was somebody who could help you with a, um, uh, what is it, a hotel particular, like a room in somebody's house. And I got it, and it was may or may not have been way outside of the city, which I may or may not have gone to in the first place. And I hated it. It was just a room. It was way out from Old Havana. So, you know, I walked miles to get to Old Havana, where, where all the postcards are and the old cars. And I was walking around and uh, found this little street and I found this little cafe table. So I sat there and the, the guy spoke English and um, I, I became friends with him, had a few beers. And, and I just started saying, man, I just, I, this, I, I love everything about this place, this holiday that I may or may not have been. Uh, except for this, this room is like way out of the city and I just wish I had something here, but I can't afford it. And uh, he said... Um, Hang on a second. So I went to the back, came back with keys, and we went right across the street from the cafe. I should have looked up the street and uh, took me upstairs, and there was this beautiful apartment. It wasn't beautifully decorated, but just the, the, the big French doors, the huge balcony, had a kitchen, which was great because uh, Cuban food is not what you think it is. It's not like Miami. Cuban food is actually terrible. It's just a lot of dried chicken. And I said, oh, my, my, I love this. Come on, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, there's no way I can afford it. But, you know, tell me how much it is anyway. And he's like, how long are you staying? And I said, two weeks. And he said, could you pay 18 US dollars a night? And I said, 100%, yes, I can. And I gave him the money before he changed his mind. And so I may or may not have brought all my stuff to this amazing apartment right like two blocks away from the famous, uh, I forget, the uh, Florida cafe where Hemingway supposedly drank and I wish I could tell you that I saw a lot of Havana like I, and I did walk around some but I just sat up there every day below me was a, a cigar roller you know he made his own cigars for like a dollar each every day I would sit on the balcony and uh, listen to the neighborhood watch the world go by smoke cigars drink rum and it was just the most amazing holiday that I may or may not have been on I could just be making all this up for the show and that just, I mean, that just fueled this, this obsession with uh, Cuban music even more. So anyway, that was a long story. I didn't mean to bore you. It's supposed to be a laid back show. But that's how Cuban music, and that's why Cuban music was so important to me. So let's go back to the lady who first set me on this path, Omar Portuondo. It's Rough Sundays. <laughs> Suspendimos el bembé. 
Tell the new 
some proper gospel getting you right it's rough Sundays and it brings us to the end of the show um what do I want to um what do I want to play I should have done this beforehand usually I I map it out but today I'm just kind of looking I'm looking at what we played oh I know Shame on me for forgetting this, uh, for forgetting this. But uh, we talked about South Africa at the beginning of the show. And we had a lot of shows from South Africa, which I really enjoyed. I hope you did too. And I think I mentioned a few times that it was my Aunt Jan who lived in Ethiopia for 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. And uh, she was the first one who showed me where Ethiopia was on the map. Turned me on to the country, told me stories, uh, took me to eat the food, you know, the injera with your hands, and you think it's a paper towel, but it's not, and you eat it, it's wonderful. But mostly the music, you know, this is, this is another one of the, the people that set me on this path. And uh, I don't want to say I became obsessed with Ethiopian jazz like I was with Cuban jazz, but, but Aunt Jan definitely pushed me into this incredible, amazing uh, jazz history that Ethiopia has. And if you've never, if you've never experienced listening to an Ethiopian jazz album, you must. I mean, it, it, it much like, remember how I said, say that South Africa and being in Africa kind of, it takes it up a notch. It's turning travel up to 11. That's what this music does. It's, it's another layer of jazz. Um, I mean, just type in Ethiopian jazz on Spotify and I think you'll be thrilled. I think I've mentioned numerous times that uh, a French record company put out what I believe is now a 10 to 12 disc set of, it's called Ethiopix. Uh, you can find that. It's probably the first thing that'll pop up on Spotify. But um, back when I started to get into it, one of the artists I remember discovering was, uh, well, his nickname was the Ethiopian Elvis. So that should tell you it's going to be good. And um, I always mess up his name. It's... Uh, Alameihu Este, I'm guessing, maybe, maybe not. Ethiopian Elvis, we'll call it that. But um, 
you know, what, what he did was, to, it was a combination of, of Africa, there's a little bit of Arabic in there, there's jazz and there's crooning and, and it's incredible, you know. I keep using that adjective, but that to me, that's what Ethiopian jazz is. It's just incredible. And uh, I was sad to see uh, the news last month when, I think it was last, yeah, I was still in South Africa, so I didn't play it because we were focusing on South African artists. But I was sad to open up the news and see that um, Ethiopian Elvis had passed, made it to the edge of 80, pretty good. And uh, he just he just did some amazing, just, I'm going to say it again, some incredible things for more than 60 years he was recording. So um, I think I think that deserves the, the descriptor of incredible, right? Anyway, we're going to end it with him. Ethiopian Elvis, Alameya Yehu Este, I hope, doesn't matter, the song's great, it's Rough Sundays.
خوش کپرسانی کرد نبرجی مالت من پسیکنها وکی یه سگان عجیب ملیت مرد Next level, it's another level. What Africa does, food, people, history, culture, music, it's next level. It's, it's things you think you know plus one. And I can testify to that having spent three months in South Africa. Um, insane. Do that today, would you? Just listen to one, that's your homework for today. Listen to one Ethiopian album, one Ethiopics um, on Spotify. Do that for me. Please. It's been rough Sundays, though. Nice to be back in the groove of things. I do miss this show. I miss doing it. I didn't intentionally not do it because I didn't like it. It was I was just flat out. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got a few already a few tracks lined up for the next week that I I was so excited to play. I almost played them on this show, but I wanted to keep it short and around thirty minutes, just long enough for you to have your coffee, wake up. Enjoy your Sunday. Things like that. Right? Cool. 